year I turned 12. The age where you transfer from boy to man. It's the little things that you remember all your life. First hit, your first kiss, the first time your dad lets you know that he sees you. Well, I still hadn't had the other two, but boy, did that third one feel good. Would you stand up and walk out on Happy Wonder Wednesday, everybody! Angela Bowen here. Today, I'm going to be talking about Season 1, Episode 8, Science Fair, which aired November 17, 2021. In this episode, after seeing Dean bullied by Michael, Lillian confronts his parents. Lillian helps Michael with his science project. This episode has got a 6.9 out of 10, based on 74 ratings. And let's see, so it feels like we haven't seen Michael Sims, played by Jamur Petit, I'm not sure how you pronounce his last name, or even if I got his first name right. So, <coughs> um, yeah, it feels like we haven't seen him since at least the pilot episode. We also have Ian Lyons as Mr. Wright, Brooke J. Taylor as Miss Stevens, and Scott Deal as Mr. Brooks. This episode was directed by Matthew A. Cherry, writers Saladin K. Patterson, Neil Marlins, and Carol Black, of course. The original series is based on them. Yamin Siegel, Ambiria Allen, and Yale Galina. Alright. Is there any... Oh, there is. Okay, so I'm just going to screenshot this. Because I had issues with IMDb before. So, oh, there's trivia. We'll wait. We'll wait for the end of that. Um, for the trivia. So, yeah. I skipped over this episode so I could do the Christmas episode. And I'm going to be honest with you. After this episode, I'm going to take a bit of a break from the new Wonder Years. I think I Wonder years myself out by doing it weekly for even for the month of November. Just too much. To be, I, I, I like the show. Get, don't get me wrong. But sometimes too much of a good thing can kind of like, okay, taking a break. So I think I'm just going to from now, from for right now, just do maybe an episode a month. Because it looks like they've done the nine episodes. They got a full 22-episode season. So we're just going to do like an episode a month. And then, you know, if we get a season two, then that way I can do a little more towards the end. You know, maybe during the summer. But, um... Yeah, it's interesting to see. We can learn a little more about Michael and why he is the way he is. Which, if you remember in the OG Wonder Years, <laughs> Kevin had a little issue with a bully named Eddie Panetti. This was in season two of the Wonder Years. It was called Fate. Season 2, episode 12, which came out March 28th, 1989. And yes, I will be playing clips from this episode at the end. With Winnie so upset at him, Kevin tries to get back on good terms with her by confronting Eddie Panetti, the school bully, for going into her locker. This plan backfires when he realizes that Winnie is now seeing Eddie. Winnie! Girl, what are you doing? Why are you doing this? So many, so many things wrong with that. So many things wrong with that. But, yeah. 
I'm excited. I, I kind of wonder how this is going to go down. Uh, is Lillian going to come into the school to get Dean and see him getting his ass kicked by Michael in the hallway? Or just him facing off against Dean and just like, okay, what's going Like, stop before, you know, anything happens, basically. Or seeing Michael shoving Dean up against his locker and then, like, coming in there like, excuse me, what are you doing to my kid? There, I've read instances in the news over the years where parents will go to the school when their kid is being bullied and they will confront the kid. The bully, basically. And say, you touch my kid again, I will effing end you. I'll fucking end you. And then, of course, that person ends up getting sued by the bully's parents or the school board or they're arrested because they're taking matters into their own hands because the school won't do anything. Stuff like that. So, yeah. I mean, as much as you want to, you know, defend your kid and stuff like that, going and confronting the bully yourself is probably not the way to handle it because you're going to get yourself in hot water too and probably wind up arrested for trying to assault a child. I don't know. Um, But before I get into the episode, I want to let you wonder newbies know where you can find the podcast. You can listen on SoundCloud, which is the best place to go if you want to listen to all six seasons I've covered of The Wonder Years. Starting from, the, from episode one all the way to the end of season six. Because iTunes only holds so many episodes. I don't even know how many episodes are left on iTunes of the Wonder Years, to be honest. Because I've done episodes of Full House, Growing Pains, Mr. Belvedere, some of Elf, some of American Dreams, some of Everwood. Um, Everwood's podcast, by the way... If I continue it, and that's a big if, because there are already two Everwood podcasts out there that are probably much better than mine. I will go on the record to say I love my Everwood podcast, but it's another thing that I jumped into without really thinking, you already have all these other commitments. That's the thing. I jump into so many things without thinking, why don't you just focus on what you're already doing and starting to, instead of coming up with new projects that you won't be able to finish or just can't commit to at the moment. So, yeah. Exactly. Oh, there's my timer. Um, another thing, my oven's beeping. You guys, if you've listened to the podcast, you know I have only a certain amount of time to podcast. So, if my oven's beeping, it's because we don't know how to take care of it because we're, we live in an apartment. And this just sounds like a matter that I don't think the maintenance would probably want to bother with or I don't know we haven't asked so the oven's going to be beeping in the background I don't know what to tell you if you can deal with it awesome if not I don't know what to tell you but yeah SoundCloud and iTunes are the place to hear the podcast on social media just type in the Wonder Years podcast the looking back on my Wonder Years and Wonder Years podcast will come up aside from the new Wonder Years, like I said, I'm covering Full House and some Fuller House episodes on this podcast. Occas- very occasional Growing Pains episodes. I'd like to do Elf here and there. Currently in Season 2 of Small Wonder, which is a monthly podcast, I will be putting that episode up on Wednesday the 29th. As I continue my coverage throughout 2022 of Season 2 of the 
of Small Wonder. So that's that. Also, usually at least once a month I'm doing a movie of sorts. Sometimes I follow a theme. I think next year I kind of want to kind of just randomly do movies. Not It doesn't always have to stick with a the theme. However, I'm saving for summer of 2021. I'm covering the Free Willy Trilogy. Yes. If you are a 90s kid, you know exactly what I'm talking about. I don't have to know. And if you don't know what Free Willy is, I'm telling you right now, it's not a porno trilogy. It's a movie about a boy and a whale. A real whale. A killer whale. <laughs> so, yeah. 90s was all about... It seemed like there's always animal movies. Whether, you know, boys' main character, girls' main character. I mean, we had a lot of Andre in 94. Flipper in 1996. The Free Willy movies that span from 93 to 96. Um, what else did we... Born to be Wild was one that came out in 95? 94, 95, I believe? That was with a boy in a... turn. I thought this gorilla... If you've seen Born to be Wild... <laughs> 13-year-old me thought that was a real gorilla. Uh, I did not know that was just a man in a gorilla suit. I don't know why I, th I thought it was real. I don't know. Because I wanted to believe in movie magic and stuff like that, so... Yeah, every once in a while we'll do a trilogy of movies, and this year is going to, or next year, 2022, is going to be Free Willy. Maybe the year after that I'll do the three, and I say three, Airbud films. I am not covering anything after three. I'm sorry. Even number three, Airbud Air Bud World Pup, was a stretch. But I'm not con continuing on with any of the others. I, I don't think I can do that. Just, buh. Kevin Zigger. Kevin Zigger is what kept me into the Airbud films. <laughs> so, yeah. All right, let's uh let's get into the Wonder Years Science Fair episode. All right, so the episode begins with Dean in school. He's in his science class and he's working with chemicals. An adult Dean narrates how the Jefferson Davis Middle School Science Fair is only a couple days away. And I love how Corey, Brad, and Kisa are hanging around Dean's desk just watching him kind of mix these chemicals. And they're just so amazed at what he can do. And like, oh, you're going to win this science fair for sure. And Dean being so modest, like, yeah, me? No, of course not. And of course, adult Dean's like, of course I'm going to win it. Why wouldn't I? Yeah, he mixes in some, um, he calls it the catalyst, stirs it, and then we get this orange foamy stuff, and he says, just wait till I make yeast out of potatoes. And Corey's went, oh, you're going to win this science fair hands down, man. So, Dean's aunt, when he was eight, she got him a chemistry set. So, for the last four years since he's 12, he has just been really into chemistry, so it's really cool that we get to learn these different facets of Dean, Dean's interests. He's not just your average, you know, 12-year-old boy. He has interest. And the thing is, with Kevin, kind of looking at Kevin Arnold, we could see that he, he, he seemed like the, the everyday boy who was, you know, into sports and, and this. And 
you know, girls and stuff like that. But it's like, really, I wish, now looking back on it, they'd given Kevin, you know, some other interests other than just like, I like to play football, and I like to sit in front of the TV, and I like to this. And I'm not saying, like, with us learning more about Dean like this, like, this is somehow better. I'm just saying, like, looking back on it, it's like, oh, that would have been cool if, you know, we see, you know, even when Kevin was hanging out with Doug when he's trying to make Paul jealous, because, you know, they have a little disruption in their friendship. And, you know, he's playing with Doug's remote control airplane. He gets stuck in a train and then leads Doug to break his arm. Um, what was there? There's an, oh, uh, oh, but that was forced piano. Um, also the mu- music when Kevin wanted to play the guitar and be in a band. And, you know, little things here. I think, well, now that I think about it, remember Mr. Campbell, Kevin and Paul's science teacher, when they did that experiment with, um, Puffy and Weezer, the two hamsters? And then poor Weezer... We got sucked up by vacuum hose by Wayne. Oh my goodness. That was a cool experiment. I mean, sad because they're feeding one hamster like Cheetos or cheese puffs and root beer. The other one's got a diet of like, diet of like pellets and water. <laughs> like, oh God. Oh my goodness. Kristen Davis Junior High School Science Fair was only a couple days away, and a few of us stayed late to work on my project. By seventh grade, I'd taken my game to the next level. Then, at a catalyst and stir, and... Whoa! <laughs> Just wait till I make my own yeast out of potatoes. Yeah, I bet you can win the science fair this year, Dean. Me? No. Of course I was winning. I've been doing experiments ever since my aunt got me my first chemistry set when I was eight. I was still holding out hope that a lab accident would bestow me with superpowers, but no luck yet. Dean's still wait. He was still waiting on that day when a lab accident would bestow him with superpowers. Because he's reading an Avengers comic. Of course, Kisa's like sitting next to him, kind of looking at the comic. And Brad and Corey are there. Like, that's where he's getting his ideas from. Yeah, and he says Golith is is pretty cool. I don't know who that is. I don't read comics. Um, and I'm just thinking, it's like <clears throat> Dean's reading an Avengers comic, and how long into the future, of course, he's got to wait till they actually start making Avengers movies and uh, out of all these characters and everything. I'm just wondering, like, I wonder if he's adulting since he's dropped other things. About the future of Google and this and that. So like, that'd be cool if he's like, oh, and many years later I would find out about, you know, the Avengers when they would make a movie or something. Like, I don't know. I don't know. And he's saying how it was cool. Like, comics made nerds cool. You could be a nerd and be cool. And he's talking about Peter Parker, Bruce Banner. Who's Hank Pym? P-Y-M. I'm going to find that out. Let's see. Let's see if I can find it. Hank P-Y-M. Dr. Henry Jonathan Hank Pym is a fictional character appearing in American comics. Okay, hold on. What in the heck? Go I'm not donating Wikipedia. Leave me alone. Um, published by Marvel Comics. Created by penciler Jack Kirby. Editor plotter Stan Lee. 
Okay, okay, gotcha, gotcha. First appeared in Tales to Astonish, January 1962. Um, what the hell is he, anyway? Just had, um, character scientists had debuted in a standalone return several issues later as the original iteration to the, of the superhero Ant-Man with the power to shrink to the size of an ant. Along with his crime-fighting partner, wife, Janet Van Dyne, Including the size changing, he goes on to assume other superhero identities, including size changing giant man and Goliath, Goliath, <laughs> Goliath, the insect themed yellow jacket, and briefly the wasp. He is a founding member of the Avengers superhero team, as well as a robotic villain, Ultron's creator. Great, that's wonderful. Okay, well, I just educated myself on some comic person, character, whatever. Okay, let's get back to the episode. They're all superheroes that started as, sci as scientists. Okay, and oh yeah, I see a sign just above their heads because they're all sitting on a bench, all four of them. And there's a pre be presidently fit sign above them and there's something about being fit with kid you know, kids are like running with books. Michael comes along, rips the comic out of Dean's hand. Like, what the hell, dude? Is this dude's problem? He's like, what you doing, nerd? Reading like you're white? What the fuck? Okay, whatever this writing is, I'm not a fan of this Michael character. What the fuck is his deal? Ugh. And of course, Dean jumps in like, hey, leave my stuff alone. Depending on when that issue came out, I don't know if he'd be able to find another copy if the guy rips it to pieces. Hopefully, Corey and Brad and Kisa will, uh, jump on this Michael. I mean, there's four of them and one of Michael. Come on. Four of them can take that guy down. So, I guess Dean's gonna rely on his r reading of superheroes and their superpowers. What's he gonna do? What's he gonna do? It's like they're, what, in a hallway? Because you see some other kids all going, fight, 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 fight! They're all chanting. What the heck? Really? Really? Dean's getting his ass kicked. Kicked, kicked, physically kicked. And of course, Kisa's like, what's wrong with you? You know he can't fight. Pick on someone of your own side. What the? I thought these friends were going to jump in there and were like, if you got to go through him, you're going to go through me. Like, oh, everyone lining up. This is like a Puggy Brewster episode where Puggy faces off with the bully in season two. And everyone's like, if you're going to fight her, you got to go through me to get to her. And everyone's just, and then you got to go through me and me and me and me and so on and so forth. I'm thinking, what? Come on. Come on. Really? Oh, my gosh. So is Lillian going to come and it's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Why are you beating on my son? Dang, I don't know what could be more embarrassing than your crush basically calling you a wimp. Like, what are you doing? Pick up something your own size. You know he can't fight. Like, ooh. Ouch. Burn. Not, not, not so, uh, a burn, burn. But it's just like, oh. Okay, you want to know what's worse than your crush basically calling you a wimp? Your mom. Because she grabs Michael, pulls him off and says, Get away from my son. You know he can't fight. Oh, I think that's worse. I really think that's worse. Oh my god. Like, make sure your own mom saying, you're a wimp. Oh my god. And then, 
Well, Dean actually has to be helped up. He's, oh, Mama, what are you doing? I almost had him. I'm like, you had shit, Dean. You had nobody. Your ass was literally being kicked on the ground while people were chanting, fight, fight, come on. You know he can't fight. He's a limp. <laughs> like, oh, my God. I mean, I get it. He's trying to have some courage, like, mentally. Like, I can do it. <laughs> And Lillian is like, what is your name, young man? And Michael won't even look at her. It's like he's raised to, like, when an adult talks to him, he just, M M Michael Sims, ma'am. It's like, yeah, because she's an authority figure. So adult Dean says back then it was an unspoken agreement that black parents were not only allowed to parent their own kids, but all the kids in the area, I guess. Like, okay, well... <laughs> Discipline that kid. Is he going to be sent to the principal's office? No adult. None. No adult. No gym teacher. No teacher. No principal came running. Daperna was on Eddie Panetti's ass constantly. Like, whenever he was with, you know, Kevin in the hallway. He's like, I'm going to get you, Daperna. I'm going to. Yeah, right. He's going to get Daperna. No. He's like, get you, Arnold. And then here comes Daperna. You know, Eddie, I'm getting really tired of this. I'm really getting tired of your shit. I'm getting tired of your crap, man. I'm really- You're pissing me off, Eddie! You're pissing me off. So, yeah, she looks at Michael and Dean and says, Both y'all, butts in the car, now. And then I like how- Because this is basically the whole cold open. It cuts to animated, like, a comic book, um panel. I get panel, right? It was just one scene. Each panel is a scene, right? I don't know shit about comic books. <laughs> Honestly, I really don't. I don't really read them. <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, that was a cold open. See, in comics, you could be a nerd and be cool. Peter Parker, Bruce Banner, Hank Pym, all were superheroes that started out as scientists. What you doing, nerd? Reading like you white? Leave my stuff alone. Or what? Dork. In that moment, the spirit of every scientist superhero coursed through my veins. Standing before me was the most evil supervillain ever born. And I owed it to the world to do something. Read this science. Oh, he's punching him in the back. Holy you know he can't fight. Was there anything more embarrassing than your crush calling you a whip in front of the entire school? Get off my son! You know he can't yeah, guess there was. Mom, what are you doing? I almost had him. I did not it. raise you to be out here fighting. What is your name, young man? Michael Sims, ma'am. Back then, there was an unspoken agreement that black parents were allowed to parent not just their own kids, but all the kids in the community. Both of you. Butts in the car. Now. <laughs> Alright, so we come out of the intro and we are parked in front of Michael's house. Doesn't necessarily, from the outside, doesn't look nice. Um, and Michael's just sitting in the car and she's like, you want to fight, you're going to have to pay the piper. Your parents are going to want to hear about this. And Michael just sits there like, get out of the car now. Lillian, just like, come on, let's go, let's go. Michael finally gets out of the car and slowly walks up the steps. Uh, why did I get the feeling that the reason that Michael's a bully is because his parents are bullies to him? 
So Lillian knocks on the door, and after getting no answer, she says, Michael, are your parents home? And he doesn't say anything, and she asks, well, who was supposed to pick you up? And Michael says, my brother. And he also says, well, sometimes my brother has to work late. So he gets a key from under the mat. So it's almost like if you, if this were the 80s, <laughs> he'd be probably known, excuse me, as a latchkey kid. Because he has to let himself in. And Lillian asks him, are you home alone? And Michael says, it's fine. And he goes inside a darkened house and shuts the door. And Lillian can't believe it. Like, she's probably never heard of a kid being home by himself like that. Like, no. Like, she's probably thinking the situation with Michael is probably more serious than uh, what she kind of figured. Like, there's more to it than him just beating up on her kid. Like, his home life leaves a lot to be desired, it looks like. He does not have anyone there to greet him at the door. No one to pick him up after school. I mean, I didn't necessarily have people picking me up from school unless it was, like, getting out to go, you know, go Christmas shopping. You know, my grandma would pick me up and take me Christmas shopping after Thanksgiving. Or, you know, when I was in, like, first grade, or second, my um, grandpa, my mom's dad, would pick me up on, like, a Friday and I'd spend time with my mom for a little bit. The bit she gets in the car and she's like she's just kind of sitting there just the shock of just this kid his home life is and she's like tell me about your friend Michael and the fact that she had the nerve to use the word friend no friend no kid that's beating up on your kid that is not a friend that is not a just I would have said just tell me about this boy Michael what's the story what's up with him why is he you know. And yeah, even Dean calls like he's not my friend. He's a butthead, basically. And she doesn't push the issue any further. I mean, we don't see the rest of the conversation because we cut right to dinner. Uh-uh. You want to fight? Then you're going to have to pay the piper. Your parents are going to want to hear about this. Are they Come on. Let's go, come on. Mike, are your parents home? Who was supposed to pick you up? My brother, but he usually has to work late. to describe someone that is so evil, diabolical, dastardly, antithetical to everything good in the world. He's a butthead. And the one thing I was kind of wondering when Lillian and Michael were on his porch, 
just the lighting was really no low. I don't know whether it was that was maybe done on purpose for effect, or I mean, this is after Christmas, so it's probably you know January. So I just I don't know. Maybe um, it's a cloudy, overcast day, but I don't. I mean, it was just the scene, the lighting. You really couldn't see a whole lot, and I just kind of think like. When is the scene, like, brighter a little bit? But it's just, I think, yeah, the the light. I think that was done on purpose just for uh, the effect of, you know, Michael's home life. And the fact that, the fact that he's fine, you know, there's no one home. I think he likes it that way when there's no one home. Uh, he probably gets a break from, you know, his older, we don't know what his older brother's like. He could be a, a real piece of shit. Kind of like how Wayne was to Kevin. Or he could be even worse. And probably even his parents are even worse. So I wonder if we get to meet his his parents at all. I wonder. Or maybe Lillian takes us to the school like, this boy was beating up on my son. What do you know about his parents? Have you talked to them? Because I'm sure that my son is not the only one he beats up on. So, yeah, during dinner, Lillian kind of spouts off about Michael and just, just like... Clothes thrown on the sofa. I don't even want to know what the kitchen probably looks a mess too with dishes all over the place. And, you know, she says how she's been talking to some of the other mothers. What well, probably because their sons have been beaten on by Michael too. And, um, and then Kim's like, oh yeah, the mom's hotline. And she kind of laughs at that. And it's like, oh yeah, Mrs. So-and-so, she saw you at the mall when you said you were at the library. And Bill's like, all right, give me the keys. <laughs> like, yeah, your driving days are done for a bit. <laughs> so, and the fact that his older brother, Michael's older brother is 22, and he's basically being raised by his older brother. Where are his parents? Are they dead? Are they out of the picture? I don't know. I hope we learn more. But it's just like, oh my gosh. I, just, I feel so bad. And, of course... Lillian thinks the way to help Michael is to bring him into their home so he can get a warm meal and see what a real family looks like. Basically. I mean, not so much to rub it in his face, but, like, he needs to be around people that care about each other and see, like, this is what a family is, you know? They're not, it's not an empty, lonely, cold house you're going to after school. Or even, like, yeah, hey, instead of going home, come here. Hang out with us. We'll help you, you know, work on your schoolwork or, you know, science fair. We'll work on that. Or just, you know, helping it. Yeah, something like that. And I don't know. Maybe Dean will see a different side of Michael. I have no idea. Or Michael's just going to be Michael and he's just not going to change. However... I'm going to play this clip from the Wonder Years from Fate when after Kevin gets beat up, he goes home and it's around the dinner table. They all notice something's like wrong with Kevin's face. You're not eating. I'm not hungry. Even if I had been, no way I was going to take on an ear of corn with a busted jaw. But you love corn on the cob. I'll take it. Thank God so far no one had even noticed my souvenir. With a little luck. Uh... Kevin, what's that on your face? Um, it, it, it's nothing. Looks like a huge hickey. No. It's not. It's Kevin, what is that? Yeah, what the hell is that? It, it's nothing, really. Eddie? <laughs> Panetti. 
Who's Eddie Panetti? Wayne. Well, he's this guy in the eighth grade who rips out kids' tonsils with his bare hands. Wayne! Kevin picked a fight with him. I did not. Yeah, that's what I heard. Kevin, he hit you? Look, Mom, it's no big deal. He hit you? Kids today, they're animals. Wait a minute, wait a minute. I want to know what's going on here. I want to know now. Dad meant business. And the truth is, at that moment, I really needed him. Well... Go on, tell him. Tell him you're in over your head. Well, see, there's this kid. That's it. There's this kid who's twice your size and you're afraid. And there was this fight. And there's going to be more of them unless somebody does something to stop it. Go on, tell him. And that's all. It's over. It's over. I guess I was hoping he'd see through me. See I was lying through my teeth. See a scared little kid who didn't have a... Well then, it's over, it's over. Yeah. That's what I said. All right, so let's play the dinner at the Williams family. Yeah, she is just, Lillian is so concerned about Michael's well-being. She thinks that, like, with a little love and tenderness, I'll be able to turn this kid around and just kind of, he just needs someone to care about him and show him that things could be better just by, like, hey, maybe if he hangs out with us, we'll rub off on him, you know? And he'll change and be better for it. believe this boy's situation i mean clothes thrown all across the sofa and i hate to see the kitchen probably dishes everywhere it's a real shame mm-hmm. and i was talking to some of the moms you mean the mom's busybody gossip line <laughs> <laughs> speaking of which miss doris says she saw you at the mall and i said that was impossible because you told us you were at the library keys <laughs> now anyway as i was saying I found out that Michael's older brother is 22 years old. Can you imagine a boy being raised by someone who's practically a child himself? Well, at least they have each other. I bet Michael could use some guidance and a warm meal, too. Michael definitely didn't need another meal. He was already the size of a linebacker in seventh grade. Okay, Lil, I see where this is going. (laughs) Then no, you let that boy in here, he gonna steal something. I don't know what you mean. You can't fix every baby bird with a broken wing. Even if it is Dean's friend. He's not my friend. Yeah, really. You remember really Homeless Joe? How many batches of hot water cornbread you bring him? Still on that stuff. Well, that ain't the cornbread's fault. And then what about your cousin Joanne, who needed $100 to start that hair salon? Uh-huh. Then she met a man with a Cadillac, and we never saw her again. Well, I will not apologize for being Christ-like. <clears throat> you weren't so Christ-like when that co-ed from my college needed a place to stay. <laughs> uh, <laughs> what that girl needed was a job and a shirt with a neckline. Uh-huh. Anyway... <laughs> I'm not going to be helping Michael. <laughs> Dean is. Oh, you got to be kidding me. Why me? Because you said so yourself. He doesn't do well in school. And look, we've been blessed with so much, which is why you do so well. I think it'd be a good idea for you to help someone who's less fortunate. What my mom was asking was just as ridiculous as asking Spider-Man to team up with Doc Ock. <laughs> I mean, sure, it happened once, but only because Spidey had amnesia. Wait, can I help Homeless Joe? I bet he never finished school. This is happening. 
Bill can kind of see where this is going. Uh, he's like, you know, I know where you're going with this. And the answer is no. I mean, what if the boy steals something? And then he starts listing all these people that she's helped. Her cousin Jolene, who, you know, Lillian gave $100 to start a beauty salon. And she met a guy with a Cadillac. And, well, apparently, according to Dean, never saw her again. Also, someone named Homeless Joe, who Lillian gave a bunch of cornbread to. And he was still, I guess, using, you know drugs and stuff um so yeah and she says i can't help for being you know christ-like and wanting to you know help people and stuff there's nothing wrong with that you know you you do what you can and it's up to the individual to decide what to do with that help if they're gonna do it help you know use that help to you know better themselves good for them if not then it's like you can only do so much and she says, well, I'm not going to help Michael. Dean is going to do that. And Dean's like, it, what? No. Yeah. She says, look, we can't help that he's a little, you know, not so well off and, you know, un- unfortunate and everything like that. You say that he doesn't do well in school and everything. And I think that you can help him. And Dean brings up when Sp- Like, yeah, that's about, like, as Spider-Man teaming up with Doc Ock. And the only reason he did that one time was because he had amnesia. Now, I only know (laughs) Doc Ock from the Tobey Maguire Spider-Man series. And, uh, you know, so, yeah. I don't, and it's been so long since I watched that movie. I don't know. Did he, him, uh, maybe it was just because he's reading comics. He's not going based on the Marvel, Tobey Maguire films of Spider-Man. So, yeah, it's like, uh, I like, like, the fact that they tied this to, like, a comic, you know, the panels of the end scenes where here's, well, yeah, when it was in the hallway with Michael, and it turned to a comic panel. It's Michael's little thought bubble said, I'm going to kill you. And then this one with Dean says, this is going to suck. And I hate, hate is in all caps and bold. I hate green beans. <laughs> oh my goodness. Let's see where this goes. So yeah, Dean's been working on his science project for a month. And now he's been instructed he has to help Michael with his. So we see Michael primping his hair in a mirror inside his locker. And Dean's like, uh, look, my mom wants me to help you with your science project. And Michael stops, turns and looks at Dean and just says, shut up. And just goes back to what he's doing. It's like, oh, great. And then Dean's saying, well, I tried. Sorry, mom. So we see Dean and Corey coming in. It's like, yeah, I know my mom's just thinking to himself. I know my mom's trying to help. But there's no way I'm teaming up with someone who's been tormenting me since second grade. So for the last four years. Oh my gosh. And then just the look on Dean and Corey's face. It's like, yeah, I'm sure Michael is there. Oh my goodness. Yeah, Corey zips out of there lickety-split when he sees Michael there. Like, oh, yeah, I'm going to work on this at my own house. Bye, Dean. I don't want to be here. Like, yeah, it's just as soon as he saw Michael, it's like a sour mood just permeates the air. Like, I need to go. Good luck, Dean. Bye. (laughs) I promised my mom I'd offer to help Michael. Sure, I've been working on my project for a month and he hadn't even started his. That's totally fair. 
My mom says I have to help you with your science project. Shut up. Cool. Oh, well, I tried. I knew my mom was hoping I'd try harder, but there was no way I was teaming up with a guy that's been tormenting me since we were in the second grade. Huh. That's Michael Sims in your kitchen. Huh. Louis, nice knowing you, man. I'm working my house. Hi. Oh my god, you know what this reminds me of is that episode, I think it's like Date with Density or something, where Lisa brings Nelson over, and <laughs> Bart's like, Lisa, look out! Nelson's in our house! And it's like, yeah, I invited him over here. He's my new uh, friend. And of course, Bart's like, look, Lisa, um, I'm only going to say this one, you can do better <laughs> yeah uh-huh yeah it's like lisa is taking a lillian approach to changing like she's trying to change nelson into the better like we're kind of getting that with her wanting to well help michael you know and the way that dean like when he was like mom what is he doing here it's like oh you had to bring him home why you scared off my friend yeah, it's like, what is he doing here? Mom, I told you, he didn't want my help. And she's like, yes, I'm sure you asked very sincerely. Well, he did say, well, my mom wants me to help you work on your science fair project. <laughs> yeah. He could have asked the sweetest pie, and Michael still would have shot him. Like, no, go away. So, oh, yeah, yeah. I get Lillian wants to do good, but the fact that she's got one of Dean's old projects from the his potato science project from years before. Like, yeah, we were going to use uh, your old one here. I'm thinking, you didn't ask his permission. I, I would not want someone who's been beating up on me using my stuff. Hell to the no. And she even tells Michael, but you got to do the work yourself. He's like, e yes, ma'am. Like, <laughs> the way he's like, yes, ma'am. Almost like, it's like, oh my gosh, all this work. I don't think I'll be able to do it. That's like, over my head. Yeah, he says, but those are the potatoes from my project. Uh, what, like an old project or one he's currently working on? I, I'd be like, what, wait a minute. Yeah, and she's like, well, there are plenty of potatoes. And, she, and well, Lillian also tells him, it's like, I, I had no idea about the electrodes and potatoes. And I'm just thinking of um, that episode, if you've seen on Netflix, the show Anne with the E, it's kind of loosely based. It's uh, on uh, the Anna Green Gables books by L.M. Montgomery. And <laughs> I remember it's a it's season... Heck am I yawning? Season three with uh, Miss Stacy, the teacher. What's that at the end of season two? Anyway... Anyway, 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 they used a potato to turn on a light bulb, like with the uh, little electrodes, they push it in and like, hey, look, a light bulb goes on because you stick it in the potato. That's immediately what I thought, and, and the fact she's having Michael read a book and everything like that about potatoes and electrodes and all that fun stuff. An electrolyte. Okay, gotcha. Got the thing is, he is really, he, Michael is sounding out the words, so... 
whether maybe he's just been kind of like he should be farther along grade wise than he is probably he's much older than Dean and it's just one of those things where teachers just pass you along because you keep getting older but your reading levels are very 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 low so yeah he's getting frustrated because he's having trouble sounding out the words hey dude I hear you man I some of these words I like what the heck right the English language can be nuts sometimes and he is struggling and he gets frustrated he's like oh dang it and Lillian's like hey you don't use that language in school do you he's like yeah. He's like, I mean, no. She's like, well, good to hear it. Keep going. I like that she is pushing him. Like, just power through it, man. That's just, it's it's hard at first, but you gotta keep going with it because you're gonna see that light at the end of the tunnel. And Michael is like, I can't. And apparently he's used that word more than once because she's like, if you use that word can't one more time, not reading is gonna be the least of your worries. And Dean is just watching this and just saying, Mom, what are you doing? And his mind is like, oh, don't poke the bear. Because he's like, oh, she's racking up a swirly tab that I'm going to have to pay for tomorrow at school. Ugh. Mom, what is he doing here? I told you he didn't want my help. Yes, and I'm sure you asked very sincerely. My mother definitely had my number. And since I'm not about to let this boy show up empty-handed, we decided to make up a tater clock. Using one of your old science kids. But you're going to do all the work yourself, you understand? Yes, ma'am. But those are the potatoes for my project. Sweetheart, don't be silly. There are plenty of potatoes. Who knew root vegetables could be so interesting? Uh, I did. Michael was just reading about the role electrolytes play in conduction, weren't you? Yes, ma'am. Well, all right, then. Go ahead. Keep reading. We don't have all year. <laughs> and electrolyte is a substanimous, which he... Mits ions when dang it you don't use that language in school do you yeah i mean no sorry ma'am all right that's what i thought now keep going i can't listen you use that word can't one more time and not reading will be the last of your worries what was my mother doing you don't poke the bear she was racking up a swirly tab that i was gonna have to pay for tomorrow at school So Dean's in, excuse me, Dean's in school, walking down the hallway, and of course he sees Michael approaching from the opposite end. They meet, and Dean braces himself, like squints his eyes shut, like just waiting for Michael to kick his ass. And Michael just says, your mom says I have to ride the bus home with you. And Dean should have just not said anything. He's like, what, you're not going to hit me? You're not going to punch me? And Michael just kind of punches him, like, in the arm, like, you're a weirdo. It's like, dude, it's almost like you were asking him to hit you. But then again, if he hadn't have said nothing, who knows, maybe Michael would have still punched him, punched him on the shoulder. Your mom said I have to ride the bus home with you after school. He was coming back for more? What type of madman would do homework with my mother if they didn't have to? You're not gonna hit me? What a weirdo. So, <clears throat> Dean tells us that while his mom was helping Michael with his 
potato clock, or whatever that was, that Dean was hard at work like a real scientist splitting oxygen atoms or something. Good for you. So Dean is sitting on the floor working on his project. Um, who you can just hear because he's got the door open to his bedroom. His mom just laughing at something funny Michael said. Like, oh, I didn't know you were so funny, Michael. And Dean thinks to himself, like, yeah, if I drank beer and watched Richard Pryor, I'd probably be funny too. And, of course, Kim comes in to kind of aggravate Dean's already sensitive nerves. She's like, oh, mom just loves hanging out with her new son. Like, oh, really? Dean just tells her to shut up and she leaves. So, and then now Dean's worried, like, oh, what if Michael and mom got so close that mom was going to adopt him? Like, I don't think they're going to do that. I really don't think so. So Dean's being super annoying as he brings out his poster board or whatever his project is made of. Um, it's like, oh, the lighting's so much better in here as he goes out to the kitchen counter. Then he starts talking really loudly like he's clearly jealous of his mom spending time with Michael. He doesn't like it. Like, I'm going to make sure I'm so annoying that she's not going to want to bring Michael into our house and adopt him as her new son. Uh, and of course, you know, I, I like that Lillian is doing this for Michael. You know, she's caring and, and attentive and everything. Probably something he hasn't experienced before. And Dean just needs to go away. Go in your room. Let them work. Here's my about, uh, hypothesis for how I think that this is going to end. I think that Michael's going to get the science fair prize. Which... Honestly, I don't think it would be so bad. The poor boy's probably never won anything in his life. To have a sense of accomplishment and achievement has got to be, I mean, work wonders for him. So Bill comes home from work, and of course he asks about dinner. You know, he doesn't make a big deal about it. And Lillian just, oh, I'm so sorry. We were just working so hard that I forgot. And Dean's like, oh, Dad's not going to let this go, you know. You know, a man coming home from his job expecting dinner on the table the same time every night. No, Bill's cool. He's like, hey, you know, just heat up some leftovers. You're busy. It's no big deal. And Dean figures since it's dinner time, then Michael will be going home. Well, his mom throws a curveball and asks Michael to stay for dinner. <laughs> oh, my goodness. While my mom spent the last couple of days working with my arch nemesis on a rudimentary potato clock, I was working on splitting oxygen atoms like a real scientist. <laughs> Unfortunately, Michael Sims was clearly intent on disrupting my peaceful lair. That's hilarious, Michael. Dean never told me how funny you were. Well, maybe if I got to drink beer and watch Richard Pryor, I'd be funny too. Mom loves spending time with her new favorite son, huh? Shut up, Kim. But she had a point. What if they got so close, my mom tried to adopt him? Now don't blow up my house. <laughs> now, wait just... The lighting's better in here. Remember to keep them from touching. It won't work if they do. Which reminds me, I have to check on my potato yeast that I'm making. By myself. From scratch. No one cares. Where do these wires go? You connect your two potatoes to the clock. Mm -hmm. 
steak because she asked Michael if he wants seconds and she hands a or it could be a breaded pork chop but it looks like a chicken fried steak or something country fried steak, I don't know anyway he looks at Kim because Lillian brings up the fact that Kim's looking at colleges and Lillian says Michael does that sound like something you, that you would like to do and he looks up at Kim like he's pretty much seen her for the first time and he recognizes her he asks her if she hangs out with Jackie and then Jackie, and subtitles spelled J-A-C-Q-U something or other. And, <laughs> yeah, and Kim's like, uh, no. Like, clearly she has, because Michael does recognize her. And he mentions, you know, the, those parties are just, they're loud. And all the kiss, and I've never seen so many people lock lips in my life. And, of course, Bill just puts his hand on his keys. Ah. <laughs> uh. So a horn honks outside, and we are told that that is Michael's brother. I wonder if we're going to get to meet his brother, are we not? Because Lillian keeps going on, you know, Michael's just eating his dinner, and she mentions about he could be a really great scientist one day, and just, I like that she's trying to build him up and give him, you know, hope and options and stuff like that. I mean, Dean already has this with her and stuff, and she, he has that support. I know that Dean, you know, probably doesn't want to share his mom with the guy who's been beating him up for four years, but this I, I'm just hoping that maybe Lillian's help has had an effect on Michael. I really would like to hope so. Or maybe it just turns out like it's a lost cause. Like, yes, you did help him, but he's only going to change if he wants to change. Okay, I guess we're not going to meet Michael's brother either. So, yeah. He says, thank you, of course, for dinner and everything. And she tells you, she tells Michael, good luck tomorrow. Aww. Lillian goes down and sits at the table and she just says, I think this is really great. I think this is going to work out wonderfully. I'm so, she's just so happy and contented that she's helping someone. I really thought, like, when she sat down at the table, like, Bill and Dean and Kim were kind of going to kind of lay into her about like oh how could you bring him in here oh my gosh he's such a this or oh my gosh he ate all her food or but no they don't it just cuts from the scene perhaps there's still time to poison his next course Michael can all few seconds yes please I'll just take bologna to the office uh, you know, Michael, Kim has been looking at colleges. Is that something you might be interested in doing? Haven't I seen you hanging around Jackie's house? I don't think so. Yeah. No, it was definitely you. Man, those parties are so loud. And the kissing. I've never seen that many people locking lips in my life. Keys? 
That's the most I think I've heard Michael talk in like ever. <laughs> Must be your brother. I'm so proud of the work you did today. That clock is really coming along. You know, if you apply yourself, one day you could become a really great scientist. Thank you, Mrs. Williams. Good night. And good luck tomorrow. Good night. This is really great. <clears throat> so Dean is putting the finishing touches on his I don't know what that's supposed to be. Um <laughs> Lillian thinks it's a nuclear power plant and immediately my mind goes through the Simpsons. So she says, I found your potato water on the counter you want me to put in the fridge and he's just being a butt. He's like, whatever, I don't care. So, and of course, adult Dean kind of says, you know, I know I wasn't handling this with most maturity. And Lillian goes over to one of Dean's beds, because he's got two single beds in there. And she kind of sits down, pets the seat next, like, come here, let's talk about this. And she also says, you know, how proud she is of him of doing this on his own. And Dean's just like... Yeah, and maybe one day I'll be a great scientist, too. It's like, okay, I see where this is going. And she needs, Dean needs to realize, like, dude, look at all that you have. You have a nice house. You have two loving parents, a big sister, all of that. Look at what Michael has. I know we should, sympathizing with the bully and everything like that, but sometimes it's just, look at what Michael doesn't have. Look at what he needs. He really could use, you know, Lillian's support. And she's trying to help him. You know, better himself. Dean already has that support. And I get it. No kid wants to share their parents with someone else if they don't have to. Especially if that someone is someone who's been beating up on them for four years. And not really giving a reason as to why do you not like me? Like, what did I do wrong? You know, that kind of thing. So yeah, Dean sits next to her, and he, he just, he can't understand, like, how can you be so nice to someone who was just so mean to me, basically beating me up every day at school? And Lillian tells him, it's like, we kind of, you know, in a way you take for granted, you know, honey, I know this is uncomfortable for you, and, you know, you have both of your parents who love you very much, and Michael doesn't have any of that. He doesn't have anyone to show him love and kindness, and you know, understanding and support and everything. And, yeah, it's just, she's trying to make him understand. It's like, sometimes we take that for granted. When you have that, sometimes you do take that for granted. Just in a way, like, you think it's always there, so you never worry about, you know, that love and that support not being there, you know? And poor Michael, it's just, he could use... A little bit of that. He needs that guidance. And I like how Lillian words it like he misses, Michael misses out on things that we take for granted every single day. Yeah, I mean, there's no one to cook Michael dinner. He comes home to an empty house. He's basically a 60s version of an 80s latchkey kid. 
She also mentions about Michael's parents, and then Dean comes up with that rumor. Well, then he shouldn't have killed them. And Lillian looks at Dean like, okay, he didn't do that. And she does share, you know, Michael shared with Lillian about what, where his mom actually is. As far as his dad, we don't know. But his mom had a nervous breakdown a few years ago, and... She is in a, let's just call it a state hospital or a psychiatric hospital. Back in the 60s, they referred to them as mental hospitals. She's still there because she just didn't know how to take care of her son. And that has been very hard with Michael. I think one of the reasons, you know, he beats people up, takes their lunch money. is because he's angry and he doesn't know how to properly direct his anger. You need to, they need to get that boy, take him to a gym, get him punch in the bag, redirect that anger. I'm not a psychiatrist, but it's like, hey, that sounds like a great, there you go. Get him focused, his energy, his anger into anything else. This science fair project is good for him. It helps redirect and also, you know, show him something he may have deep down uninterest in taking further. Yeah. And she's just trying to give Michael a little bit of what he has been going without for a few years. You know, that motherly love, that motherly touch and everything, that motherly support. And Dean's like, so if you and dad died, does that mean I have to live with Kim? And Lillian says, no. No, nothing's going to happen to us. No, you won't have to live with Kim. But she explains, you know, that is, that's why I help Michael. Because he needs that support. And another thing is being, you know, she says something that we've all probably heard at least once in our lives. You can't sit back and judge someone without knowing their life story. The whole, that saying, you don't really know a person until you've walked around in their shoes. And that, that's very true. You don't know a person until you've walked around in their shoes. Maybe if we did have that opportunity to do that, we might be a little bit more, you know, understanding a little bit. And she says, Michael has had a very hard life. Like, Dean, this is stuff you've never had to deal with. You've never had to wonder where your next meal is coming from. Whether your brother's going to be home, whether you have... You don't even have to come home to an empty house, really, because there's always going to be somebody there. There's always someone there to give you support. There's always someone there to throw an arm around your shoulder and, you know, give you a shoulder squeeze or a hug. Or, you know, let you cry on their shoulder or something like that. Michael doesn't have any of that. And the thing is that we see, like, sometimes... They say don't judge a book by the cover. By the cover, And also, um, that whole saying that there are two sides to every story. Well, there's two sides to every person, too. There's the side that we see that they project to us. And there's the side that they keep inside of them that they don't let people see. The real them. And Lillian ends the conversation by putting an arm around Dean, squeezing his shoulder and saying, Just remember that... As I hope you remember that I'll always be proud of you and I'll get some sleep because tomorrow is a big day. I noticed in Dean's room he's got a pennant that says Philadelphia Phillies, 
Which is funny because they're in um, Montgomery, Alabama. Which is it's even funny because you know Kevin, you know you know that the Wonder the original Wonder Years was pretty much set in California. I mean, you can't not. <laughs> so many instances prove that. But for how many seasons? At least three seasons Kevin's wore that Jets jacket. And then in season four, he went to that uh, blue jacket. Probably because he outgrew that Jets jacket. I was like, we can't let this jacket out, okay? We we can't, like, hem it and make it longer for you. So we're going to have to move you into, into a different jacket. Uh, here's so just a members-only, like navy blue one you can wear for a season because i think even that i think he ends up going to like a maroon colored one in like season five or six and it's just bleh. anyway yeah i just thought that was funny because kevin was all about wearing that new york jets jacket even though he lives in california and then you know, although if you think about it, Alabama to Philadelphia, I don't think it, it definitely as far as New York to California. But yeah, Dean just thinks about, you know, he felt sad, you know, for Michael and his mom and everything like that. And, you know, who knows if Dean were in the same situation, if he would be reacting the same way or whether he would be reacting in a different way. Yeah, Dean thinks, hey, I'm pretty sure he still killed his father. His dad probably took off. We don't know 100%. His father maybe could have died a long time ago when Michael was a baby. We don't know that because they don't tell us that. So we're just only led to assume. Which, that's pretty dark to assume that. But if he's not there, I don't know where he... The only other options are either death or left. I don't know, or something. Your project's coming along nicely. I guess. Is that a nuclear power plant? Maybe. I found your potato water on the counter. You want me to put it in the fridge? Whatever. Obviously, I was handling the situation with the utmost maturity. You know, I'm so proud of you for doing all this on your own. Yeah, and maybe I'll become a great scientist one day, too. Okay. Come here. I get that this is probably very uncomfortable for you. How could you be so nice to someone who's so mean to me? <sighs> well, the thing you have to understand is that Michael hasn't had an easy life. You get love from me and your father every day. Michael isn't blessed with that type of love. There are things he misses out on that we take for granted. So he's allowed to beat me up? The reason Michael lashes out is because he's angry. What could he possibly be angry about? He gets to keep everyone's lunch money every day. Well, it's complicated. I think the big part of it is the fact that his parents aren't there to support him the way we do for you. And he shouldn't have killed them. <laughs> he didn't. Dean, Michael shared with me that the reason his mother's not around is because she's not able to take care of him. She had to go into a mental hospital. It happened a few years ago when he was around your age. And he hasn't seen her since. Oh, that is bad. Wait, does that mean if something happens to you and Dad, I have to live with Kim? First off, nothing is going to happen to us. But it's important to put yourself in someone else's shoes. That's why I helped him. I can't imagine how hard his life must be. 
Does that make sense? Right. And I hope you remember that I'll always be proud of you. And get some rest. Got a big day tomorrow. Good night. Good night, Mom. Despite the years of bullying, I found myself genuinely feeling sorry for Michael and his mom. Pretty sure he still killed his father, though. So, Dean kind of puts the science fair up there as the best day of the year, along with Christmas, his birthday, and his mama's short ribs on Sundays. Okay, cool. And I like that Lillian and Bill are both there. They were both able to get off time from work to be able to go to the science fair. Unless it's held on a Saturday, but I don't think so. So, <laughs> Dean is so... He's so confident. He's like, hey, Carol, how's it going? Hey, Tom, good luck. You're going to need it. <laughs> I just, I get the feeling that Michael's potato clock is going to be the one that wins. I just, I get that feeling. Unless, you know, like I said, I could be wrong. Dean could win. We'll see. But then again, if he's won other science fairs in the past, it's like, why don't you let Michael have this one? When Dean's... <laughs> Says to Tom, like, hey, good luck, you're gonna need it. And he's just kidding. Because it was a couple of white kids, you know, Carol and Tom. And then Bill's like, oh, that boy ain't right. What? Because, whatever. So, Dean sets his stuff down. And Lillian asks, like, oh, you feeling confident? And Dean's like, a little. I mean, dude, you were just smack talking. <laughs> or good lucking to the others over there. You're uh, competitive competitors here uh other the other i don't want to say contestants because it's not a game show other students that are also participating in the science fair dean's like huh thinking of so yeah i'm gonna win this thing hands down i mean look at the competition a baking soda volcano really what are we in second grade his head he is critiquing the volcano with the baking soda and the styrofoam ball planets where Jupiter is umpteen times bigger. But Dean tells us that Jupiter is actually quite a bit smaller than the other planets, apparently. No. And Dean says to himself, like, if I, adult Dean tells us, like, if I'm looking at the uh, scientist, a scientist in the future, then the Russians have nothing to worry about. So... Brad painted painted his shoebox to look like an actual oven. Good for you, Brad. Good for you. Ah, the science fair. One of the best days of the year. Next to Christmas, my birthday, and Mama's short rib Sundays, of course. Carol, how's it going? Hey, Tom, good luck. You're going to need it. Just get it. Boy, right. So, you feeling confident? A little. A little, please. I was going to win this thing hands down. I mean, look at the competition. A baking soda volcano. What are we in second grade? Oblick. Wow. You mix cornstarch and water. Did you do that yourself? <laughs> Why is Neptune bigger than Jupiter? Come on, Larry. Everyone knows it's seven times smaller. If I'm looking at the future of NASA, then the Russians have nothing to worry about. Hey, Dean, check it out. I painted my shoebox so it looks like an actual oven. Cool, right? Oh, <laughs> and here comes Michael running in. He's got his potato clock. 
Oh, yeah, Michael rushes in, setting stuff up, and Lily asks, are you okay? He's like, yeah, yeah. And I love what Dean does here as he, he shakes Michael's hand and says, good luck, Michael. Oh! And even Bill says, you know, Lillian, I gotta admit, I mean, I had my doubts, but you were right this time. Like, you know, helping Michael and everything. Like, oh, my heart. I love it. So, Bill notices that Michael is wearing his shirt. Like, oh, I know he was going to steal something. Some people you just can't help. And Lillian's like, Bill, I gave him that shirt. Okay? He didn't have anything nice to wear. Like, Bill, you can buy another shirt. You have a bunch of shirts. Just calm down. He didn't... <sighs> Always to think the worst of people. So, yeah. Come on, Michael's teachers come on. Well, everyone's teachers. Uh, and they're just like, oh, Michael, what do we have here? And he explains the potato clock, just kind of the information that he read about. And saying, like, the potato clock, it tells time. And the teacher's like, well, the science behind it, though. And then Michael talks about, you know, what he read, what, how it actually works. And the teachers, two teachers there are impressed. They really, really are. It's like, I, I can't wait to say what you do. You know, apply yourself a little more in the classroom. And Michael smiles. And Dean's like, gosh, I haven't seen him smile. Like, he only does that when he's beating someone up. But it's just, oh, and I like how he looks over at Lillian and, and smiles. Like, oh, you made it. Everything okay? Yes, ma'am. Hey. Good luck. Thanks. You know, Lil, in spite of my concerns, I gotta admit, you were right this time. Wait, is that my shirt? I knew he was gonna steal something. <laughs> See, you can't help some people. I gave him the shirt, Bill. He didn't have any good clothes to wear. Saj, you haven't worn that thing in years. And like I said, you were very wise. Michael, this looks interesting. Did you do this all on your own? Uh, I had some help. Can you tell us about your project? Um, it's a potato clock. And how does it work? Uh, it tells the time? <laughs> the science, son. Oh, um... The potatoes have acid, which eats the nail, and that makes electrons. The penny then picks up the electrons, and that makes electricity. Oh, can't wait to see you apply yourself like this in the classroom. Even if it was a low bar, I was happy for Michael. It was the first time I'd seen him smile when he wasn't beating somebody up. Let's just hope he remembered that other things could make him happy. So, yeah, the teachers come over and say, oh, look, our future scientist. And let's see what Dean's got here with his uh, science fair project. I don't really know much about it, to be honest. He said something about potato yeast. Potatoes to make yeast. What The teachers say, what have you made for us? So, Dean goes into this... Instru you know, basically giving them the instruction of what he has made. A nuclear fission reactor thing that he's going to demonstrate for them. Oh, the principles of a nuclear fission reactor. Okay. 
He says with a dash of pizzazz, he, he, and he starts talking about nuclear power plants and what they do, which is generate heat. They generate heat by uh, splitting unstable uranium atoms. Wait a minute, uranium? Doesn't that cause cancer? Or is that radium? So I'm not gonna... <laughs> Dean is doing a great job. I'm not gonna even attempt. So he's just gonna show what his thing can do. Uh, yeah. Something's not going right with his project. Did he do any test runs on this prior to? Or is it just what he showed his friends in science classes the only time that he... He was testing a theory there, but it's just like, oh, yeah, I get it. Yeah, I don't think that he it's going to go off well, and I think Michael's going to win, which, honestly, I think maybe that might be great for, for Michael. A win for him would be, he could live off that for a very long time. So, turns out, Dean had been so distracted by his mom and Michael, he hadn't made his yeast properly, and now it's affecting his science project. Yeah. And the thing is, everyone's kind of gathered around excited, like, they know, like, Dean's gonna bring down the house with his uh, with his science for a project, and it's just not... It's not delivering. It's not delivering at all. Okay, can I take my... <laughs> everyone's kind of chuckly. Even Michael's laughing, like, okay, well, I guess some people don't change. And the teacher's even like, oh, what a shame. I was really excited for this one. So, oh, Dean, you went too far, man. He went too damn far. He did not need to say this. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, because he sees Michael laughing and he's so angry. He says, I don't see why you're laughing. You needed help for my mom to be able to do your project because your mom's so crazy she's been locked up. And I'm like, your mom did not tell you that to use that as leverage or revenge on him. That is horrible. That is horrible. And in front of all of those kids. What the hell is wrong with you, Dean? I understand you're angry, but that is a hell of a low blow. And I can only hope that Bill and Lillian discipline him for that. Our future scientist, what have you made for us? Today I will be demonstrating the principles of a nuclear fission reactor with a dash of possess. Nuclear power plants generate heat by splitting unstable uranium atoms. In my experiment, I will be creating a similar exothermic reaction by splitting oxygen and unstable hydrogen peroxide with potato yeast I made myself. Safety first, though. You never know when there's going to be a cool nuclear meltdown of radioactive foam. Just a moment. You know, uh, potato yeast can be a slow catalyst. Maybe it just needs a good stir. Uh, the ratios are probably a little off. Uh, maybe I need a little bit more hydrogen peroxide. As my nuclear reactor turned into a sad swamp, I realized that I had been so distracted by my mother and Michael that I hadn't made my yeast properly. Ta-da! <laughs> my yeast must have died. 
Shane, I was really excited for this one. <laughs> I guess science is about failure, too. I had never known this level of embarrassment before. Science was my thing. How could I let this happen? So, yeah. And the, the teacher, one of the judges, says, you know, I guess science is about failure, too. And Dean just thinks, like, how could I let this happen? You know, science is my thing. And everyone's just, you know, the kids are all laughing at him, including Michael. And Dean feels, you know, he just, he's never known that level of embarrassment. It's like, well, for one, you never tested your theory, just to double check. And two, yes, you let yourself get distracted by your mother helping Michael. And, gee, and, and just the way that Dean reacts here when he turns on Michael, because Michael is also laughing, this is a low blow. And honestly, I really... It's one thing to be confident, but it's another thing to be too confident and kind of come off cocky. And that's kind of making me, like, I mean, I know Kevin Arnold would, like, blow up at people and shit like that. But Dean, and even adult Dean, it's just, when he walked in and started, like, in his head putting down all these, like, mediocre, supposed-looking science projects, it's like, you're making me not really like you as a character, as a main character. You're really making it hard for me to want to root for you as a character by acting like this. It really is just, mm. I, like I said, there's a difference between confidence and cockiness. And Dean thought he had it in the bag and he didn't. But the way that he lashes out at Michael, because like, oh, I don't see why you're laughing. You had to have my mom help you because your mom's, your mom went crazy and she's in the, in the mental hospital. And he says this in front of everybody. The kids that are laughing, his parents, other parents, everyone in this gymnasium where this science fair is taking place. Like, dude, I I don't like Dean right now. At least not in this episode. But he, ugh. I don't, and like I said, I don't mean to compare the two shows, but the only other time I can think that Kevin even pulled anything like this would have been... There's one thing when he yelled at Doug and said, I'm not your friend. I, I You know, uh, no, I'm going to put it semi-close to when, yeah, the science project with the two hamsters. And Wayne, like, sucked up uh, that little hamster Weezer in that vacuum, and Kevin had had it. He blew up at his brother. He, he said... You're pathetic. Nobody likes you. That's why you don't have any friends and just really like land in these emotional blows. But I think Dean's was worse. Because Lillian told you that incompetence. She didn't tell you that so you could use that as ammunition to throw out at Michael in anger because he's laughing at you. Yes, he shouldn't have been doing that. But my gosh. by myself. You needed help from my mom because your mom is so crazy she got locked up. (laughs) (laughs) 
I finally vanquished the supervillain. So why did it feel like I had lost? Wait a minute. Was I actually the villain? Michael just stands there. I'm getting choked up. I really am. I, I feel for Michael. And just that look of hurt and just shock. You know, that was, he didn't tell anybody about, but Lillian's, no, look about that. Any trust Lillian feels that like she probably got with Michael is absolutely gone now. Because she shared that information with her son and hopes that maybe it would, he would use that to see Michael and a demon use that to see Michael in a different light. Instead of using it as ammunition to be able to throw at Michael or as Dean calls defeating the super villain. So of course, why Dean feels so low is like, yeah, because you delivered a low blow that was uncalled for. And what Bill and Lillian, they just kind of stand there as shocked as, you know, the other adults. Like, well, my son doesn't normally like this. He doesn't, you know, lash out like that. Because Michael just, he, he, of course he leaves. He's embarrassed. He's hurt. So now, Dean is back at school. And I kind of wonder if kids are going to give him, like, the silent treatment. Like, man, what's wrong with you? Why didn't you do that? I mean, yeah, Michael's a bully. You know, they're all kind of laughing. Like, whoa, what? Really? <laughs> you know, because he's been, you know, a, you know, the school bully and stuff. And for them to learn, like, oh, my gosh, his mom's in the nut house. That's crazy. Yeah, you know. But I'm just wondering how is this going to. I I really think. I don't know. Whether Michael is not going to be in school, whether he's just going to be beating up on Dean again and the cycle just keeps continuing. I don't know. Because this looks like, or unless the science fair happened during the school day and it's just later that day in the school day. Um, Adult Dean comes on and says, as kids, we don't pause to think that the supervillain has a complicated backstory. So now he's in the hall with Corey, and he's walking, you know, from one end, and Michael's coming up, and I'm just kind of wondering, how is this exchange going to do? Is Michael just not even going to look at Dean, just ignore him, and move on? So what exactly was Dean trying? Because he put his hand up almost like, what, he's going to block from being hit, or he's like a slight wave? Michael ignored him, walked right past him. And adult Dean says, you know, sometimes superheroes don't always do the right thing. Like you think you're doing good when in turn, actually, it kind of backfires on you. And adult Dean tells us that there are some things in this world that hurt more than getting beat up. Yeah. There is. It's hurtful words. As kids... We don't pause to think that every supervillain probably has a complicated backstory. And that superheroes don't always do the right thing. Or that there are some things in this world that hurt even more than getting beat up. So, it's raining and thundering out. Lillian is there to pick up Dean. He gets in the car and Lillian's kind of looking off. She sees Michael come out of the school and he's looking for his brother and his brother's not there and he just kind of 
shrugs and just turns around and goes back in. He he does look, you know, longingly like, you know, everyone's getting picked up and then he's like just that disappointed look and turns around and goes back inside. I mean, I'm sure Lillian would have more than readily offered him a ride home, but after what happened at the science fair, I don't think Michael's going to be taking her up on that anytime soon. And a yeah, they announced the winner of the science fair. Who is it? I bet it was either not Michael or not Dean. Or maybe it was Michael. Dean didn't make it into the top three. Well, judging by how you reacted, I'm happy that you didn't. Because you didn't deserve to win after your behavior, buddy. You really didn't. And Dean says to his mom, I know I didn't deserve to win. And she says, no, you didn't. And she tells him, God don't like ugly Dane. And that's, that's exactly how you were acting, man. You were acting ugly. Oh, Dane's thinking, yikes. <laughs> I guess that business casual belt was also a lasso of truth. And he adds to himself, like, yeah, he had it coming. He did have it coming. Yes, you did, buddy. Lillian is full of good wisdom, and she says, how you treat people comes back around. Remember that. It's like, that's right. You treat someone like garbage, don't not expect them to treat you the same exact way. It's kind of like what you put out into the world is how you're going to be received and is going to be given back to you. So, yeah, like you said, you treat someone like crap at the store... You don't think that someone's going to come along and treat you like crap later on? It's like the universe... Yeah, exactly. The universe is paying you back, basically. Dean says, I'm really sorry. And Lillian says, yeah, and I expect you'll say that to Michael one day, too. Like, I'd be like, Dean, I'm not the one you need to apologize to. You need to apologize to Michael. Whether or not he accepts your apology is up to him. And she got an experiment lab, a box that says experiment lab, and she tells, like, tells Dean, like, I guess you'll probably want to start getting ready for next year. Adult Dean comes on and says, all my mom wanted to do was help someone less fortunate, and I ruined it. Dean tells us, I wasn't a superhero at all, but if I kept my head down and watched closely... I have the chance to learn from an actual superhero. He's talking about his mom, yeah. And Dean says, maybe one day in an alternate universe you'll have her own storyline. And he says, hopefully it'll be a rare reboot that's better than the original. Okay, I see what you did there, writers. Like, okay, I'm not gonna say this is better than the original Wonder Years. It's a good comparison, I will call it that so far. It is a nice comparison, but better than the original? No. No, no, no. Let's just say it brings its own flavors to the table. Science 
know I didn't deserve it all. <laughs> no, you didn't. God don't like ugly things. Yikes. I guess that business casual belt was also a lasso of truth. But I had it coming. How you treat people comes back around. Remember that. I'm really sorry. I expect you'll find a way to say that to Michael one day, too. Yes, ma'am. you want to start practicing for next year thank you all my mom wanted to do was help someone less fortunate and i ruined it i wasn't a superhero at all but if i kept my head down and watched closely i had the chance to learn from an actual superhero my mom maybe one day in an alternate universe she'll have her own storyline hopefully it'll be a rare reboot that's better than the original there's an actual ending scene here. I don't... I'm trying to think if they've done this before in the other, you know, eight, uh, seven other episodes. I don't think they have. I really don't think so. Otherwise, I would have caught it. So, Dean comes out into the living room with a big cardboard box and says, I finally found a box big enough. And, of course, she says, all right, well, it looks like Goodwill's going to be very happy. I'm very proud of you, Dean, as he sits next to his mom on the couch. I gotta say, I love the lighting. Like, in Dean's room, the soft glow, and then also in the living room, they have the curtains mostly shut, but there's this nice glow coming in from the sun outside. Will also comes out with a few shirts that he can't wear anymore. He's out with a belt that's got a, like, a metal, like, belt buckle cowboy on the front. And Dean's like, that's my lucky belt! And Kim says, mm -mm, I'm doing you a favor. Trust me. <laughs> and she drops it into the donation box. So Dean says in all comic book stories that where it sets up a sequel where the hero gets to redeem himself. So it's like Dean saying he gets a do-over for his uh, inappropriate actions at the science fair. And adult Dean says he just needs to take that first step forward. And I love just seeing the family, all four of them, just sitting on the couch like that. And of course, we see the comic book panel, and then it says Finn, which means the end. Finally found a box big enough. Goodwill will be very happy. I'm very proud of you, son. I found a few more shirts I'm not going to use anymore. But that's my lucky belt. Mm -mm. Trust me, I'm doing you a favor. But as disappointed as I was in myself, the fact is, in all comic book stories, every great failure sets up a sequel where the hero gets a chance to redeem himself. He just needs to take that first step forward. All right. So I got to say, I, I thought it was a good episode. I did. We got to see a different side of Michael for a little bit. And we got to see Lillian putting her mothering skills to use and work with Michael and kind of giving him a, ch a, ch a chance and everything like that and helping him out. So, Wonderling Words of Wisdom for this episode, I want to go with just, again, as I said, er 
in the podcast, you don't really know a person until you walk around in their shoes and don't be so quick to judge someone's situation without really knowing, you know, as Dean calls it, you know, the backstory and everything like that. Um, also, if someone tells you something in confidence, don't use it as ammunition to throw in their face later when you want to have an argument. That is just so cruel and horrible. When someone tells you something in confidence, it's meant to be... I'm sharing something that's personal with me. Please don't use that against me down the road if we have an argument. So, best outfit of the episode. Again, I didn't have one. Worst outfit. Didn't have one. If one sticks out, you, you know, I'll let you know. Alright, so I want to read the review. Gave They gave this a 10 out of 10. Every episode gives me feels. This is from December 10th, 2021. I'm really loving the show, and every episode increasingly makes me say, Aww. The characters are sweet but not perfect, and I appreciate that nothing is resolved within the 25-minute episode. The one with Granddad's car, the one with Kevin just wanting his big brother, and the- Okay, so they said Kevin when they clearly meant Dean. And this one, showing that everyone has a story and deserves empathy. I'm hooked. Alright, so we got trivia. Older Dean mentions in the voiceover narration how he always dreamed of becoming a superhero through a science accident. While the on-screen characters are flipping through an Avengers comic, the voice of Older Dean is provided by Don Cheadle, who played War Machine in multiple Iron Man and Avengers films. Okay, interesting. Okay, so as you heard me say at the beginning of the episode... I kind of wonder years to myself out. I know it's weird. I don't know how it happened, but it happens. So I'm just going to be releasing an episode a month for right now going forward. The show returns January 5th, 2021 with season one, episode 10, Ladies, or excuse me, Lads and Ladies and Us, which makes me think of me and Paul and Kirk and Winnie and, uh, <laughs> name Carla yeah that but uh, this episode is different here's the synopsis Bill and Lillian join high society club lads and ladies as a way to introduce Kim and Dean to positive influences in the community Bill Kim and Dean fit right in but things take a turn when Lillian is treated differently for being a working mom yes it seems like being a working mom in 1968 you didn't see that very often but, uh, oh, we get to meet Brad's dad, and we see Charlene again in the next episode. Awesome. That's great. So, going back to, I always like to, if there is a reference or comparable scene in the OG Wonder Years, I like to kind of play it for fun comparison's sake. So, the first episode I want to throw out here is going to be... Hiroshima Monfrere. This episode is where Wayne's bullying of Kevin has been getting pretty out of hand lately, but when he interferes in a big way with Kevin and Paul's science project, Wayne may have gone too far. So I'm going to play a couple scenes from this episode. One in which is, of course, Kevin and Paul deciding what science project they want to do. Paul wants to do the hamster science project with the two hamsters because he loves animals and kevin's like okay we'll do the hamster project it's easy 
Oh, let's do one with these little guys. <laughs> hamsters? Where's no one else. Yeah, they're neat. Hamsters. No, too much trouble. We need something simple. Like what? An easy A, baby. Fungus. <laughs> fungus? Yeah. Disgusting, but easy. I am not doing an experiment with fungus. I want to work with animals. Paul's mother wouldn't let him have a pet. And I guess he felt a little deprived. Once I caught him petting the Angora sweaters at Sears. It was pretty embarrassing for both of us. I don't know, Paul. Hi! Hi! Hi there! Yeah, you. I'm talking to you. Did I have a heart of stone? All right, we'll go with the hamsters. Yeah! All right, did you hear that? We're taking you home. But this is a scientific experiment, Paul. And we cannot think of these as pets. But yeah, I understand that. Do you? Do you, Paul? And you understand that too, don't you? Yes, you do. Yes, you do. Paul, you better close the cages. They're going to get away. They wouldn't do that. They like us. If we lose these guys, can't one will kill us. Oh, here. <laughs> I'll protect them for <laughs> you. <laughs> no, Wayne, stop. Come on, Wayne. Hey, hey, hey. Wayne, stop. Stop. He's fighting me. He's going to make a break for us. Oh my gosh, he's Back so cool boys, with hamsters. Wouldn't want to see anything happen to your little rat now, would we? They're hamsters. Hamsters, really? How interesting. <laughs> Do hamsters always land on their feet? Wait! We needed help. We needed a stick, a bat, a big bat. We needed Angela Chomsky. Wait! It's your girlfriend. Hi, Angela. <laughs> the last thing he'd want is for his little brother to embarrass him in front of Angela Chomsky. Embarrass himself in front of Angela Chomsky. Wayne, give it back. You're gonna squish him. Hey, back scrope. The little guy gets it. <laughs> hey, what do we have here? Why, it's the Twin Peaks. Oh. Wayne. <laughs> oh, if this animal has offended oh, you in any way whatsoever, I want to go mountain climbing. No, Wayne. I don't think bitten him yet. Uh oh, uh oh. Ham's trying to control. Ham's trying Wayne. to control. I can't control. Wayne. When they're choosing a project, Kevin wants to go for an easy A. Like, let's do fungus. Paul's already set his sights on the hamsters. So he's like, no, I want to work with the animals. I like animals. Like, oh, fine, fine, we'll do it. How are the hamsters still there? You think they would, the girl, you think there are girls and they're like, hey, the girls would be like, let's do the hamsters. Let's do the hamster project. Today, I bet anything those hamsters would have been the first thing someone would have picked. I want to do the hamster. There would have been a line of people like, I want to do the hamster project. But, um, yeah. And so, you know, yeah, Kevin even says, look, Paul, this is a science project, okay? We cannot think of them as pets. They're science. It's a science project. They're, uh, it's an experiment. So, uh, Yeah. As soon as they're on the bus, Paul is already taking one of them out. I think we only ever see the one, even though there's, I think that one's, fluffy one is Weezer. The other one is Puffy, um, because <laughs> Paul names them, gives them identities, which isn't a bad thing, but then again, he's getting attached. So Kevin's like, Paul, you need to put him back because if he gets loose, Campbell's going to kill us. Of course, Wayne comes on the bus, immediately zeroes in on, oh, look at the hamster, I'll take care of him for you. Just 
grabbing the hamster, squeezing the poor thing. I'm surprised its eyes aren't popping out of its head. And hold, like threatening, like holding it out the window, threatening to drop it. And then he's also threatening it with a pencil to its head. How this poor thing didn't bite Wayne. And then he's like seeing his girl, not his girlfriend, but the girl he's got a crush on. And just like putting the hamster by her boobs. Like, oh, look, it's a Twin Peaks. I want to go mountain climbing. Just And the thing is, he's got the hamster, like his whole, the whole hamster body is basically in. You only see the head poking out. How in that, this hamster is probably so petrified that it probably died shortly after it, this episode was filmed. I don't know, but oh my gosh, that's just, that's cruel. That is so cruel. PETA would be all over the show, over that. Um, if <laughs> that were now. And, <laughs> yeah, Kevin and Paula just, Wayne, 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 what are you doing? <laughs> it's just like, ugh. So now the boys are at the table, and they're going over... Basically, you got two hamsters. One's going to get food and pellets. The other, water and pellets. The other one's going to be fed a diet of unhealthy snack foods and root beer. Yeah. We'll see which one lasts longer. Ips look orange, then you'll know. <laughs> if they're eating Cheeto Puffs. Hey, um, the effects of a bad diet on laboratory hamsters. We feed the test hamster a steady diet of processed snack foods. This. The control hamster receives regular hamster chow. We then compare the time it takes the two hamsters to successfully run through the maze. Oh, they're still upset from this afternoon. These are breathing very fast and uh, puffy. At... I mean, the control subject has the uh, hiccups. Maybe we should go to my house and do this. That Relax. would be we don't a good try idea. Not mom and dad around. So yeah, they're just going over what the experiment was supposed to take place during it. And then, you know, feeding them opposite diets, one natural, one unnatural, and having them run a maze to kind of see how the bad diet affects the one hamster versus the one that's being fed the regular stuff that it's supposed to have. And of course, like, don't worry, Paul even says, let's do this at my house. Like, I don't know if Paul's mom, if she won't even let you have a dog... Or a cat. There's no way she's going to want hamsters there. Any more than Kevin's parents would. Especially they're on that. They're at the kitchen table. You guys got a dining room table in the dining room, right? Put them there. Work there. There are so many areas in that house you could be working on that project. So it's like, don't worry. Wayne's not going to try anything with mom and dad here. And Norma and Jack, they're going out. They're going out. And it's like, don't. Karen's going to watch you guys. Soon as Jack and Norma are out the door, look, I... I'm out. I've got a date. Take care of the shit yourself. Bye. And <clears throat> Wayne pretty much lays down the ground rules since he's the oldest now, since Karen's gone and parents are gone. Hold on once again. He says, get those things to your room, those hamsters. I don't want to see them because Angela Chomsky's coming. Yeah, bullshit she is. So, yeah, they're going to do the experiment in the bedroom and see how well that goes. And Paul is so like, oh my gosh, Weasler's breathing heavy this afternoon. Must have really stressed him out. It's like, well, probably. Make another column here so we can put the results side by side. That makes sense. Okay. And then later we call it. Paul, sorry. Nothing is trying to get out of the can so far. 
All right, now what was his last time running the maze? <laughs> Paul, give her the program. Paul, do you think this experiment is safe? Sure is. Mr. Campbell wouldn't let us do a project <laughs> that was dangerous. No, I mean for Weezer and Puffy. They'll be fine. They need that activity anyway. Keeps their brains running good. They are kind of cute though, aren't they? <laughs> he likes it when you scratch him. it behind his ears. Hi there. Hi. It's trying Hi. so hard to get away. You're cute, aren't you? Yes, you are. Uh, yeah. Uh, um, Alright, now uh, let's look at the data. Right, data. Yeah. Data. Data. Alright, now next we have to measure the test subject's response <laughs> to highly sugared soft drinks. Okay. Where's the root beer? Oh, it's in the... Kitchen. We can't go back in there. Wayne said if we were in Hey! This is my house too. He can't control our lives. Oh, come on. Alright. Touchy, touchy. He's starting to turn orange. Oh, that's from the cheese doodles. See? It brushes off. Oh. Okay. Okay. It doesn't look like a big enough water bottle for a hamster. <laughs> Especially for two of them. Okay, now let's check his heart rate. No, 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 not yet. Why not? He doesn't like it when you handle him right after he's eaten. I think it gives him a tummy ache. Paul was starting to lose any semblance of objectivity about this project. I realized I'd better put my foot down before it got out of hand. Maybe you're right. Let's give him five minutes to digest. Okay, so I have a very light foot. What could five minutes hurt? I didn't want to make that little guy sick. Oh, Angela. <laughs> he doesn't look too good. His time's much slower. <laughs> no, these are not that way. You can't interfere, Paul. Dead end! Get in! Help him, Paul. Oh, he's confused. I'm telling you, the diet's getting to him. That's the purpose yeah, of the really? experiment. We're playing God here! Oh. Paul. We have no right. Paul. It's unnatural. Oh, Paul. It's not like it's poison. I'm, millions of people eat this food every day. Well, whose fault is that? Look, this will be his last run through the maze. Then we can put him in his cage. A drink of water. <laughs> We're supposed to be giving him... He needs a drink of water. I could see that Paul was past <laughs> reasoning with. Okay, I'll get him some water. Oh, and some Alka-Seltzer. No, that's going to kill him. Oh, Angela, I thought you were coming over. Oh. Oh, are you serious? Paul is getting out of hand. It's one thing to be attached to the animals, but it's like, you're doing this for a school project. They need the results. You, oh my gosh, Wazer, it's the wrong man. You're going down a dead end of the maze. And... And Kevin's like, Paul, you can't help him. And then Paul goes and, like, pulls Weezer out. It's like, he's like, we're playing God here. It's not right. Like, dude. <sighs> See, you should have went with the fungus. Paul would not get attached to fungus. Like, so he's just too emotionally attached. There's got to be a detachment there. I mean, it's, they're cute animals and stuff, and you can love on them after the whole thing's done. But it's like, no, you had to treat them as test subjects so you can get conclusive results. And he tells, Paul gets really insistent, like, he needs a drink of water. 
And Kevin's kind of like, well, we're supposed to be drawing a fucking root beer. But whatever. Yeah, and then Paul adds, and some Alka-Seltzer. That would probably kill him. That probably would kill him. Oh, my. That's right, because that stuff fizzes up. Oh, my God, Paul. Some of that stuff that humans take, you can't give that to an animal. Especially with something so small as a hamster. I mean, I think he's going to do more damage than Cheetos and root beer would. So, Kevin comes back. Because Wayne's in a state of stress. Because the girl he's got a crush on is not coming. Of course she's not into him. So Kevin goes back. Of course, is like there's no water. Like just forget it, Paul. Wayne comes in with the vacuum with the suck hose, and he's got a fireman's hat, which I have no idea what that's about. Oh, like a fireman? I don't know. Anyway, um, <laughs> and he and Kevin go at it, and Kevin just starts wailing on him, and of course, Paul. Excellent. Let's go of Weezer who goes under the bed and then of course the vacuum hose gets under there too and sucks up Weezer. And just the sheer shock is like you basically killed that animal. Poor Puffy. Weezer was her companion. So yeah, and Kevin just lets loose of all the years of the torment and physical infliction that Wayne has done to him. He just like he's had enough and he is gonna cut Wayne down in the most hurtful way. Where's the water? Forget it. But he needs a glass of water. Let's just finish the experiment. <laughs> Hamster Patrol. Stay out of here, Wayne. Stay out of here, Wayne. <laughs> now, Mother told you to be sure to clean up after those little devils. <laughs> Give me that. <laughs> snapped inside me i didn't hate his guts i hated him i hated everything about him and at that moment i didn't care what it cost me i didn't care about anything i just wanted to hurt him you want to know why angela wouldn't come over shut up because she doesn't like you wayne shut up she doesn't nobody does shut up no you may be bigger than me and stronger than me but you know what wayne i have friends Nobody likes you, Wayne. You're just mean to everybody all the time because nobody likes you. You're pathetic. basically just calls Wayne a big fucking loser. A big loser. Like, hey, you want to know why your Angela wouldn't come over? Because I wouldn't. <laughs> she doesn't like you, Wayne. 
And Wayne's just like, shut up, shut up. And it's like, no, you don't want to, you know, that Kevin could be telling the truth. Like, no, she doesn't like you. She has no interest in you whatsoever. Definitely not in a romantic way either. So, and, and Wayne just, or Kevin just keeps going at Wayne, just one blow, emotional blow after another, just like, I have friends. You want to know why no one likes you? It's and the fact that you're just mean to everyone because nobody likes you, Wayne. And he goes so far as like, you're pathetic. And you just see this mushroom cloud of explosion. <laughs> yeah, and of course we get the funeral of poor Weezer, and Paul takes it very hard. They have the vacuum bag there. He died that men might learn. So, of course, I know this doesn't have anything to do with the science experiment anymore, but I want to play this ending scene between Kevin and Wayne. They do reconcile, because Kevin's hanging out at the park, sitting on a bench, and Wayne just comes up. And he says that he's sorry. Like, you don't mean, think that I did that on purpose, do you? And Kevin's like, well... And Wayne, it's like he's looking for... I guess, what, absolution? He's looking for, like, just tell me that, you know, you forgive me. Please. And this is a sweet moment we really don't see between the brothers. <laughs> I didn't see Wayne very much for the next couple of days. <laughs> In fact, I stayed out of the house a lot so as not to run into him. Okay? Are you going home? 
my brother and I walked home that day, I guess we both knew that things would never be quite the same between us. Everything would be more complicated now. Now we both knew that I could hurt him. The funny thing was, I'm not sure I was glad about that. <laughs> yep. All right, let's jump to season two, episode 12 with Fate and meet Eddie Panetti, who is going through Winnie's lot. He's just going around to random lockers and just, these are the ones that have the combination. And he's just punching it and it magically just pops right open. And Kevin realizes, like, Eddie is going through Winnie's locker. Like, the fuck? Kid, this isn't your personal closets that you can go through and just steal shit. And Kevin takes it upon like, hey, that's not your locker. And Eddie gets right in his face like, what's it to you? And then, of course, here comes DePerna right around the corner who's really tired of hearing about Eddie's bullyish reign in the halls of that school. Like, I'm getting tired of you, kid. I'm Expel his ass! Suspend him! You see he's tormenting these kids! Bad mood. I'd been laughed at, mocked, my self-image was getting tarnished, and that's where Eddie Panetti stepped in. Like fate. Hey. It's Winnie's locker. True, it was Winnie's locker. However, you'd have to be a moron to point that out to Eddie, right? Hey, Panetti! That's not your locker. No kidding. Hey! I said that's not your locker. So? So you shouldn't go in it then. That's all. <laughs> I shouldn't, huh? No. So in other words, you have a problem with this? Well, uh... Now at this point, all I had to do was say, nice talking, Eddie, and split. No harm done. Right? Yeah, I got a problem. I give up. Sure do. You know what your problem is? Me. <laughs> well, no turning back now. Time to test the old theory. Stand up to a bully and he'll back down. I'm not afraid of you. Yes, you are. <laughs> Eddie! I never thought I'd be happy to see Mr. DePerna. What's going on here? Nothing. Well, we were just talking. Just talking? Bullshit. Okay, things were under control now. If he'd just leave well enough alone... Benetti... <laughs> I'm getting pretty damn sick and tired of you. Maybe you should apologize. Huh? <laughs> oh, what was he doing? Apologize to Arnold. Uh, really, uh, that, that's not necessary. Apologize, Eddie. Say you're sorry. I'm sorry, Arnold. I could feel his eyes like hot coals. Doesn't that feel better, Eddie? 
And the thing is, this actor has been typecast as a bully. He's been a he was a bully in not just this episode, but Small Wonder. I think even he was kind of a bully, and who's the boss? But he kind of took Jonathan under his wing, and they were both kind of bully. You didn't see it, but no, this kid, one hundred percent typecast as a bully. He's got that snarl look on his face. He's got that glare in his eye. And the fact that DePerna is wielding his power saying, say you're sorry, Panetti. Say you're sorry to Arnold. So he's like pretty much like, yeah, I can do whatever I want, kid. Because I'm the principal. And I can force you to apologize. And the fact that he's like, I'm getting pretty sick, damn sick and tired of you. And I'm like, then suspend him. You're the fucking assistant principal. You're seeing him hassling kids. You got proof. Right there. Get, get him out of that school. I'm sure he gets it spelled. I'm sure he does. See, this kid, and I hate to even say this, but this kid, this is probably some of the, I'm, I'm sorry, but um, I, I wouldn't want to see what they do to this kid nowadays in school if he were tormenting kids. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. So, Kevin's relaying what happened in art class, I guess. They're making paper mache something or others. And we're hearing rumors. They're not like, oh, it, like in the new Wonder Years where Dean's like, Michael killed his parents or he uh, has got a kid who's close to his own age or something like that. No, it's like he rips out tonsils with bare hands. How in the hell aren't tonsils like little things on the side of your throat? How the hell are you? And he's like, he removes eyeballs and shit like this. And Paul's even saying, like, hey, I'll pitch in. I'll give you money. That might help. You could offer this kid a million dollars and he is still going to be an asshole and beat up kids. No amount of money is going to stop that. Expelling this kid will... Put, putting him in, yeah, he could use some time in reform school. He really, really, this kid could, needs to be straightened out. Didn't that Steve Wilco show back in like the early aughts or whatever have one of those like teen boot camps where some drill sergeant comes in and screams at these kids that are troublemakers into turning around their ways before they end up in jail? Or yeah, take him to the jail, have him spend a night there, see what it's like. I don't know. <laughs> But yeah. Are you crazy? Eddie Panetti is a killer. He removes tonsils with his bare hands. He does eye surgery. I know. So why'd you do it? I didn't do it. It, it just happened. And that was true, kinda. Well, there's only one thing for you to do. You gotta give him money. No, we don't. What? I'll even pitch it. Oh, I'm not gonna do that. Well, you don't think you're just gonna forget about it, do you? Paul was making sense. Maybe I had acted a little hastily. But wait a minute. What was this? Oh, All over the room, kids, kids were looking, looking in my direction. 
Even Winnie. So she'd heard about the great defense of the locker. No. <laughs> Kevin. Hi, Carla. Is it true? About what? About Eddie. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, God. Yep, the news was spreading, and the ice was definitely melting. Maybe I'd just take a little stroll over there and... Kevin, what? Huh. How is this kid yes, able no. to walk into a classroom that he's not it's supposed Eddie. to be? It's Eddie. Duh. Thanks. <laughs> the door was open, so I thought I'd pay you a little visit. Where the hell is he supposed to you know, be? I've been thinking about you, Arnold. Really? Thinking I'm gonna remove your tonsils with my bare hands. Yeah, I was just telling him that. Shut up. Shove your hand into his mouth? Ew. You're scared, aren't you? <laughs> scared? Me? Nah. Uh, Even though my feet were sweating <laughs> and my cheek was starting to twitch, uh, everybody was watching. I had to do something, so I did. Sorry? Manetti? Yeah, what the hell are you doing in here? Aren't you in the wrong room? Yeah. Later, Arnold. When the burn is not around. You're gonna be glue. Nice. Nice image. I can't believe you did that. Neither could I, but I had. So maybe there was a, a reason. Some kind of message in it all. Yeah, he's just hanging out in our class and the damn door's open. Don't know where the fuck the teacher is. She probably went out for a smoke break. And Eddie, it's like he's literally hunting Kevin down. Like, he's supposed to be in class and he takes a bathroom pass. And he just walks into a classroom. Luckily, DePerna is like, Eddie, are you, aren't you in the wrong room? Because the kid is like, I'm going to remove your tonsils with my bare hands. So, Eddie, does he even really think of the image that he's projecting here? You're basically going to put your hand into Kevin's mouth and remove his tonsils, which I don't think he can do that. I don't think you can. I want to say what even tonsils look like. Because they got to be so small that you got to, you know, remove them medically. But, yeah. And the guy just, he's literally hunting him down. And it's just, wait, Kevin even at one point starts rearranging his schedule. So that way he doesn't have any run-ins with Eddie. And then he goes into the bathroom to hide out, and then all of a sudden, Eddie's fucking there. It's like, shoot! And the fact that Winnie is dating Eddie makes no fucking sense whatsoever, and she's just like, well, at least he doesn't talk about people behind their backs. He's a piece of shit cretin, which you're gonna find out later, little girl, when he's using your field hockey stick to lift up your field hockey skirt. Yeah. So, yeah, he pretty much corners Kevin in the bathroom. Like, where you been, Arnold? I've been looking for you. I haven't seen you around lately. Have you been avoiding me? It's like, yeah, I have been. Wow, you're smarter than I give you credit for, dum-dum. Nope. I understood him just fine. Where you been, Arnold? <laughs> I haven't seen you around the last couple days. Uh, well, I've been kind of busy. Haven't I, Pop? You know, it seems like you've been avoiding me. Of course. Is that so? That was totally <laughs> untrue. I'd simply found a new route to school and a new locker. 
and a broom closet on the second floor. Look, uh, can we talk? About what? I think he wants to give you money. Right, Kev? Ow! Um, well, I, I've been kind of in a bad mood, and, um, I, I, I was wondering if we could forget about the whole thing. Well, this was encouraging. No. An appeal to reason, and Eddie was responding. You want to forget about it, huh? And for just a moment, a look of respect crossed Eddie's face. Mutual respect. Oh, shit. Right in the face. I've never been hit before. I mean, really, really hit. And you know what? It hurt. Yeah, I can imagine. Really hurt. Eddie Panetti never forgets. Think about it, Arnold. Yeah, this kid needs to be expelled. And the fact Kevin's never been hit in the face. Well, wait a minute. No, that happens later, doesn't it? With Becky Slater, where he's like, I still have feelings for Winnie Cooper. And she, like, punches him in the gut. Smashes him in the face. But this is a full-on, very close contact punch to the... And you're hitting him right in the jaw, where you could do some serious damage. Oh my god. And the thing is, sometimes in movies, you don't see it often, but sometimes there are effects where a person does hurt their hand by... If you remember Beethoven from uh, 1992... 92, I think? Um, 91, 92. Maybe 1990. <laughs> and um, how George Newton, you know, played by Charles Grodin, R.I.P., he hit that evil doctor who was going to kill Beethoven and he boom, right in the face knocked him out and then afterwards he's like George is like I I think I need to get my hand examined <laughs> I think I need yeah he's like I think I need an x-ray <laughs> like my hand I <laughs> yeah he ain't gonna be driving he ain't gonna be using that steering wheel especially if you're a right-hander and you hurt your right hand you're 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 fucked basically <laughs> unless you know how to use your left hand for everything then you're screwed that's the thing also it's like if you fuck up your right leg and you break it someone else is driving your ass around because uh you need your right leg to be able to drive unless you i don't know how the hell you're able to use your left leg to drive because pretty much the accelerator is going to be right where your right foot's supposed to be but anyway it's just like yeah Kevin's even saying, like, hey, do you think maybe we could forget this whole thing? Like, and then for a split second, you think that Eddie's considering, and then he's he punches Kevin right in the face. To the point where he just hard blow to the face, boom, he's on the ground. Clutching his face, like, oh, ah, you know, because it hurts. I've never, I don't ever want to experience that kind of pain. And... And he points a finger in his direction and says, Eddie Panetti never forgets. Think about it, Arnold. He even goes full far to say, Wendy Cooper was right. He really is a jerk. What? Oh, this guy's got no damn redeeming qualities at all. At least we felt a little bit, maybe with Michael, we got a backstory with him. We have no idea why the hell Eddie is the way he is. And then it's damn cronies. One played by Justin Whalen, who will later return in a season f- four episode. I think it's like the high cost of being right, where Kevin takes on the job of uh, 
being a caddy for his dad's manager or something. Ugh. And the kid is, like, telling Kevin, like, I earned a really nice $20 bill from being a caddy. And he's wearing this leather jacket. So he's playing a different character. Here, he's wearing... Worst outfit of the epi- of that episode is going to be that jean sleeveless jacket with the black turtleneck. Gross, puke, vomit. I fucking hate it. I just don't like it. I don't know what it is. I wore turtlenecks as a kid. I can't stand when people wear them now. Or at least on television shows. Ugh. Let's get to the end result of Eddie Panetti and then we will uh, conclude this podcast episode. Eddie Panetti never forgets. Think about it, Arnold. <laughs> no, son. Eddie Cooper was right. He really is a jerk. <laughs> Poor Paul's gonna have neck problems for the rest of his life. Hey, Kevin, are you okay? Do I look yeah. okay? But I wasn't. Pissing. And not just because of the punch. Had Woody really said that? Oh, heck. Hey, come on, it's not so bad. Look on the bright side. I think maybe you hurt his fist. Sure. Okay, so here we come to the end of the episode. Kevin and Paul are... Paul's bouncing a basketball. Which, okay, cool. They like to play basketball a lot. Um, yeah, this is the end of the episode. And we see, it's like, girl, you don't know shit about Eddie. She even like, he's just a misunderstood. No, he's not. He's a pervert and a, f- a freak and an asshole all rolled into one. As he's using her field hockey stick to lift her skirt. And his little fucking crony boys are laughing as she's trying to get it that back from him. Like, you piece of human. I hope that he fucking gets expelled and is sent to reform school and is really shown... The error of his ways. Like, oh, you want you want to play with the big boys? Okay, we'll show you just how much it means to uh, kick someone's ass. Oh, you gotta do something. <laughs> Maybe you can learn jujitsu. My uncle knows jujitsu. Wait, can your uncle fight Eddie? <laughs> I was just trying to help. Now, and listen, for what it's worth, I'm with you all the way. Are you good, old Paul? A friend in need. It's just that I only have this one pair of glasses and... I understood. This wasn't Paul's problem. Besides, I was getting used to the idea of life without tonsils, without pride, without Winnie. And then, fate took one final turn. I didn't like it much either. Even though it was really none of my business anymore. See, anyone else would have beaten him over the head with a stick. But on the other hand, no, he needs to be taught a lesson. What did I have to lose? Hey, look who's here! It's the twerp. (laughs) Except parts of my body. Where the hell is that damn assistant? Where's the perna? What's the matter, Arnold? You need another delivery of jock straps? Funny, Eddie didn't know it, but I'd formed a plan. Look, yeah. Eddie and I were going to have a little <laughs> talk about him. fairness, about right behavior, about chivalry. Hey, come on! But 
But then, Kevin, defend yourself. Damn it. inside me. <laughs> snapped. <laughs> From deep inside, I felt rage. Hit him in the Not balls. Me, I would. For every kid who'd ever been picked on, humiliated, bullied. <laughs> for every kid who'd gone home ashamed. I put every shred of dignity and self-respect I had into that punch. <laughs> right on the shoulder. It's almost like a, hey, how you doing, punch? Unfortunately, <laughs> my aim was bad. Well, not to mention he's holding his books, I thought, too, or something. <laughs> Even more unfortunately, Eddie's wasn't. Just <laughs> Kevin down. <laughs> Paul just drops the basketball and like, there we go. Kind of a blur. Still, as Eddie worked out his deep-seated feelings of inadequacy, I began to realize something. Has he got his arms pinned down? I mean, how? Gouge his eyes. I... Grab his hair. Where the hell is everyone else? His nose is bleeding, for fuck's sake. You're pathetic, you know that? Maybe. But I was a nice guy. Let's go. Oh, there's three kids that are just gonna watch. Yes. Yeah, I probably broke some ribs. Kevin, are you alright? Where's your field hockey stick when I could have used it, Winnie? Does it matter? Yeah, really. You don't like me anyway. You're all such jerks. Sure, sure we are. But you love us jerks, because we're adorable. So I guess Winnie finally forgave me. So, are you guys going to help me up? Could have used your field hockey stick. You know, I think I'm going to need a little help getting home. Of course you will. <laughs> like, Kevin, you probably could walk if you wanted to. Aw, but this Can is really sweet. Tell him like oh, we're gonna have a little talk and the fact that the whole time Eddie's just like shoving Kevin with his hand just pushing him backwards like <laughs> not even taking him seriously at all of course and of course I love how Paul's got the basketball in his hand and then his like folder and books underneath his other arm and when those two cronies of Eddie's come along he just like Puts it, drops it, puts it in. Like, here we go. Assume the position. <laughs> Get ready to put my head in a headlock. And and the fact that, yeah, Kevin, the way that he punches, and Eddie's just standing there. No way in heck would that bully just be standing there waiting for the other guy to punch him. It's almost like the slow-mo shot of him in shock, like someone's actually fighting him back. 
And then Kevin, the way that he just, he pulls his arm back and you see in slow-mo and the way that he, the way that he slugs Eddie on the arm, it's kind of like one of those friendly, how you doing? Hey man, what's up? Kind of slugs. So yeah, his aim was off. And of course, Eddie just pushes Kevin to the ground. He falls backwards slowly. And then he's on, Eddie's on top of him. Kevin just punching his his stomach and everything. And you're seeing Kevin just lay there. And I'm like, are his arms pinned down? Are his legs pinned down? Can he not knee him in the balls? Like, if your hands are free, I'd be like, go for the eyes. Go for the face. Go grab his hair. Just start yanking on it. Anything. Anything. But then again, if you're that in that shock and in that much pain, your brain's probably not firing on all cylinders. So once Eddie's gone... Like, oh, you're pathetic. And he leaves. And then Winnie comes in like, oh, are you okay, Kevin? And I'm thinking, Winnie, we, where were you? We could have used your field hockey stick. And I'm just thinking, another thing you could have used. Paul's binder, his folder thing. I would, like, grab it, take it, and just <laughs> right up the side of Eddie's head. Just <laughs> right upside the ear, that ear like that. And that well, yeah, that would have... Yeah, exactly. Oh my gosh. Kevin needs to, yeah, and even Paul's like, jujitsu, my my uncle knows jujitsu. It's like, yeah, we'll have your uncle fight Eddie. Yeah, it's like someone can come in there with some karate skills, kick Eddie's fucking ass. Yeah, and just show him he needs a taste of his own medicine. He needs someone bigger to beat his ass. And I'm thinking... Wayne, you knew about this. Where the hell are you to defend your brother? I'm thinking of Boy Meets World with that um, Harvey Kiner guy who's going to beat Corey up on his first day of school, high school. And then Eric jumps in like, hey, if you try to fight my little brother, you're going to have to go through me first. So, and then, of course, Jonathan Turner, Mr. Turner comes in like, hey, guys, it's the end of the school day. Get out of here. You don't need to be in at the school if no one's here. The day's over. Go home. But yeah, um, I just want to show different examples of Michael and Eddie's bullying situation. We didn't know shit about Eddie's past life. We don't know why he is the way he is. With Michael, we gained a smidge of empathy and everything. And yeah, it's just Kevin wasn't... I mean, he was... Coming to Winnie's defense, but then again, he spread that rumor about Winnie and every other damn kid that went to that school, along with teachers and bus drivers. So, of course, Winnie's pissed off because, like, you called me Miss Priss, asshole. You think that, ugh, you think I'm going to like you now? I want to be your friend, but yeah, and then... Kevin's sitting on the floor and Paul and Winnie help him up. He's like, you know, I think I could use some help getting home. And I love the shared look between Winnie and Paul just rolling their eyes like, sure. So we see the three of them walking down the sidewalk with Kevin between them. And then Kevin's like, see, Winnie, it's fate. And she's like, what? Never mind. And he even's like, see, you did something stupid and dumb or whatever, and I did something stupid. And Winnie's like, I don't know what you're talking about, Kevin. <laughs> it's like, whatever. So, and yeah, that's the episode. I just, I, I like doing comparisons from the old show and the new show. It's just, it's so fun. 
And even we see Kevin and Wayne's relationship versus the one episode we got with Bruce in the holiday episode. So I hope you all enjoyed this episode. I had a fun time recording it. I'll be back in January with lads and ladies and us. And like I said, I'm just going to take it probably one episode a month. We'll see. We'll see going forward because there's so many things I want to do for 2022. I want to get some more new Punky Brewster in. Definitely 100%. So, all right, everybody. Have a great week and a great I'll see you in 2022. If you want to email the podcast, you can do so at lbomwinnewyearspodcast at gmail.com. And if you want to leave a review for the podcast, you're more than welcome to. You can have fun and use emojis. Just search Wonder Years Podcast on iTunes. So looking back at my Wonder Years Podcast will pop up. Scroll down to where it says leave a review and leave a review. All five-star reviews get the podcast noticed by other OG Wonder Years and new Wonder Years fans like yourselves. Bye-bye, everyone.